Acts 2, verses 14 to 41, page 1093. Uh, And as we start the passage, this becomes straight after the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples. So Acts 2, verses 14 to 41. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to hold, keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realms of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, 
and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Thanks, Mark. Let's pray and ask God to help us to speak to us this evening. Uh, Father, we simply pray that from that passage that you would speak to us through your word, the Bible, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, well, I hope everyone has, uh, if you're a regular member of BH, you got one of these cards at home, uh, which has got our verse for the year on one side and our wildly important goals on the other side. And um, and if you're new to BH, uh, they they will be, these, these are still available and around. As I tell us, are really a f- focus of three things for this year uh, that we want to be become more, uh, a home where we belong, Second, a people eager to tell the gospel. And third, a a church that communicates well. And um, as um, Timit explained to us at the start of the service, we're focusing on these sermons just at the moment, on the first Sunday of the month, about uh, telling other people this great news that we have uh, about evangelism. And uh, and this evening, we're thinking specifically about Acts 2, 14 to 41. And here's the title, Telling It Like Peter. So uh, if you if you close your Bibles, it would be great if you could get them open again. It's on page 1093, 1093. And we're thinking uh, about how, what we can learn about speaking to other people about Jesus. Now, it's very important that we're not daft about this. So, for instance, we could look at this and we could just pick out some things from this passage. So here's a ridiculous one. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. So you could say from that, that, oh, therefore, we need to speak loudly when we're talking to people who aren't Christians. Which, of course, is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? But you could say that, and uh, I imagine down Christian history, maybe one or two people have thought that. Um, and that's clearly daft. What we need to do find th- is to find things here um, which are repeated elsewhere in the New Testament. We need to see things here which are a pattern, which is a pattern that we can follow. Uh, And so we get an idea about what the Bible is saying, how the Bible explains and talks about these things so that we can follow those repeated principles. Um, So we're going to be a bit different from a normal sermon. We're going to be looking at uh, this this passage here, Acts 2, 14 to 41. And we're going to be looking for these repeated principles that we see here but we also see in other places uh, throughout the New Testament. And as we talk about evangelism, we've got to remember, first thing to remember, is that this is a wonderful and a huge privilege. And it's really exciting, great opportunity to say something to our friends, to our families, to people we just come across, uh, about the person who's the most important person in the world to us, our Lord Jesus. And uh, uh, and just to tell our friends a little bit about him. Now, uh, anyone know who this is? Here he is. I don't think you'll know. There are two people in the world who have his name. He comes from New Zealand. And he's called Winky Pratney. He is genuinely called Winky Pratney. It's on his birth certificate. Anyway, uh, and once he uh, he wrote this. Once you have begun to tell others, he's a Christian guy, uh, despite the name. Uh, once you have begun to tell others, you will never taste a greater thrill. It will affect you on earth and move all the host of heaven. Isn't that good? 
And he's talking about telling other people a little bit about our faith in Jesus. So uh, as we do this and as we find out a little bit more about it this evening, let's find some of these repeated principles that we can apply to our lives. And the first one, as we're thinking about telling it like Peter, is to say this. Let's explain things. Let's explain things. So, for instance, in verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, but we don't need to. Uh, We could do it from time to time and address the crowd. And they said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, as we've seen, um, as Mark said at the beginning, this is on the day of Pentecost. Verses 1 to 13 here, they're talking about how the Spirit came, how the Spirit was given to God's people. Uh, And then in verses 3 and 4, these extraordinary things happened. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Uh, So the disciples were speaking and they were declaring the wonders of God. But those who were hearing, no matter where they were from, they were hearing this in in their own language. So if they came from Brazil, for instance, they'd be hearing, well, they probably weren't. But if they had come from Brazil, uh, didn't travel that far in those days. But if they had been, they'd have have heard it in Portuguese. If they came from Spain, they'd have heard it in Spanish. If they come from Moscow, I don't think they did. But if they had, they'd have heard it in Russian and so on. And Peter addresses the crowd. And then they're asking in verse 12, what's this mean? Look at the end of verse 12. What's it mean? What's going on here? And he explains it to them. He tells them what's going on. And a lot of our evangelism is explanation. Now, these days, we might have to go back beyond that as well and to tell people some facts and i'm sure uh, you may have heard of this uh, little account of there uh, a couple went into a shop she was wanting a little cross and uh, uh, and they, they asked uh, it was the jewelers and they asked if they could look at the crosses and, and the girl behind the counter this is true she said well we've got two types of crosses you can have one that's just a, a plain ordinary cross or you can have one with a little man on it and she had no idea that actually the little man on the cross was Jesus dying for the sin of the world. So sometimes we will need to go back and tell people the facts, tell people there was a man called Jesus, tell people about some of the things that he did and that the big Christian claim is it was raised from the dead and so on. But also, don't stop there. Because in our evangelism, in those days, in Jerusalem, then they knew those things. They knew what Jesus had been up to. They knew the claim that he had come back from the dead. Um, but actually the thing that he needed, and the thing that we need to do as well, is the explanation. The explanation of this. So uh, let's apply that. Could you explain to a friend, for instance, what happened when Jesus died? Would you be able to do that? Now, for our Lent course, we had Nicky Gumbel uh, on the Alpha course, didn't we? And uh, he was showing us on the picture there. And uh, I, it was explained to me in a similar kind of way. Do you remember this in the Alpha course? Nicky had uh, said, well, let this left hand uh, be you and me and say God is uh, up here above us. And uh, there is a whole weight of our sinfulness which separates us from God. Now, let my right hand represent Jesus. And in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord, that's God, has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of us all. 
So therefore, as Jesus died, he was separated from God, his father, by our sin. And the result is that we have now got free access to God. Now, could you do that? Could you say that? Would you like to practice that? It's very simple. It's very straightforward. You've got the words there, and it's Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. And all you need is a book, doesn't have to be a Bible, and two hands. Okay? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord, that's God, has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. I think it would be a really good thing, maybe in a small group or in KO or in Rooted or wherever, uh, or maybe just at home on your own to practice in front of a mirror or something, uh, that you might be able to explain that to someone. It's very easy and very straightforward uh, to, uh, uh, to work that through. But it's good to have a, have a practice on your own, uh, so you might be able to do that. There are other things as well here. Uh, there's a second thing which, which Peter explains, for instance, is what people have to do. So when you just turn over the page to 1094, and in verses 37 to 39, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And then Peter explains them, what have you got to do? And he says, what is what you've got to do? Two things, repent and be baptized. Verse 38 there, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, baptism, and he says, be baptized. Baptism is a picture. It's a picture of being washed, and it's a picture of dying and rising again. It's a, it's a picture of ending an old life and beginning a new life with Jesus. Uh, and it's an outward sign of something that's going on in our hearts. So that when we're saying, uh, when we're baptized, we're saying, Jesus has washed my heart clean of my sin, and I have started a new life in my heart with Jesus. So if you're going to be baptized, that's what you're saying. You're saying, I have been washed clean from my sin, and I've started a new life with Jesus. Could you explain that to someone? If someone with me might do it after the service, perhaps. You know, what does baptism mean? Baptism means two things. I have uh, been washed clean from my sin, and I have started a new life with Jesus. And evangelism is this explaining, isn't it? Last night we talked a bit about, last night, last week, we started, we talked a bit about repentance. What it means about changing our minds, changing our direction. And Peter says, you've got to repent. It means you've got to change the direction of your life. And baptized, saying you need, need to start a new life with Jesus. Dying to your old way of life and starting again. And evangelism is this explaining, and it just would be conf- it would be helpful, wouldn't it, if we were confident because we'd maybe done a bit of practice, we were just on top of it, what we actually wanted to say to people. Could you explain that? Repentance, I've changed my mind. I've been turned round, I've begun following Jesus. And baptism, that's that picture of being washed clean, it's that picture of dying and rising again, starting a new life. Well, evangelism is explaining things. It's a bit more than that. Probably in this day and age, you've got to, you've got to tell people the facts of what happened, but we want to explain them as well. Second thing that we see here uh, is engage. 
engaging with people. It's really, you see it in verses 14 to 21. It's just interesting how Peter engages with people. So look at verse 14. He says, fellow Jews. He says, I'm one of you guys, okay? And then a bit later on, he says, fellow Israelites. That's in verse 22. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm on, I'm one of you. We're in this together, guys, okay? Uh, we're the same people. We're brothers and sisters. I'm not some kind of import. I'm not an imposter here. Um, and then you can imagine thinking, okay, maybe we will listen to this guy. And then, well, at least he understands me. And then in verse 16 to 21, uh, he uses their scriptures. So you see in verses, um, uh, well, he's quoting from Joel in verse 16. And then he quotes in the Psalms, uh, just over the page there, at the top of page 1094. And then again in verse 34 and 35 there, he's quoting from the Psalms. He's using their scriptures. He's using their authority, their authority books, in order to explain to them what's going on. I reckon they'd have been sitting up and listening. Now, it just seems we've got, to, we've got to talk to people and start where they are. Scratch where they're itching. Sometimes we don't bother to find out where people are itching. We just need, and that would often result in unfruitful attempts because we've assumed that we know what they're interested in and so on. It pays to listen. It's all part of engaging with people. We notice too that Peter talks about the Messiah. Look at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Oof. This Jesus whom you crucified, he's made him both Lord and Messiah. And every single Jew is going to be looking for the Messiah. Like every single Brighton fan seems to know what happened on Friday night. In fact, most of Brighton, if they're not a Brighton fan, knows that we beat Manchester United. Well, I say we, I mean, they did. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, in Jerusalem, the Messiah would have been the hot topic of conversation. Peter engages with people. He knows where they're at. He knows how to talk to them in ways that they will say, oh, yeah, okay, I'm engaged with this. Then the third thing is, um, well, it's just because it begins with E, it's a bit posh, but he expounds. He expounds. Not long, detailed, boring sermon, exposition, that sort of thing, but uh, simply saying, hopefully none of our sermons are long and boring, but they are expositions because they're teaching us the Bible. That's really important. But uh, he's simply saying, go to the Bible. For us, that's what it means. We go to the Bible. You know, we're, uh, we're expounding the Bible. We're telling people what the Bible's saying. So we don't want to be, I, we should not be afraid to be using the Bible when we're talking to people about Jesus. We really should not be afraid to do that. Um, maybe you've got a Gideon's Bible. Maybe you can get a, uh, a little Bible or, a, a, or um, a New Testament or a gospel. We've got plenty of gospels here. You could uh, just have one and uh, keep one with you and be prepared to give that an account of Jesus' life to people. Don't be afraid to use the Bible. And uh, P- uh, Peter speaks... From the, we said, from the Jews' authoritative book. And he quotes from these, uh, these passages from the Old Testament. And the Jews would say, that's, that's, that's my, that's my scriptures. Gonna take notice of what he's saying. Now, it's unlikely to happen to us in quite the same way, but the Bible is our authority. We believe that the Bible is the word of God and that through his word he speaks to us. And as we explain it to people clearly, that actually God will speak to us. That is fundamental to what we believe and what we do week by week here in this church and at Goldstone and at Holy Cross. 
So why would you not do it when you, I mean, use it when you're talking to other people? Have a gospel handy. Have your Bible handy. Have it on your phone. Got it on my phone. I was using it on Friday night at Bible by the Beach. Just having it there. As the guy was speaking. Highlight some key biblical verses in your Bible so you can find them. Don't be afraid to give someone a Bible or a New Testament. You know, if you're, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you don't have a Bible, I, gladly take one of those red Bibles in the, in the row in front of you and find Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Read one of those accounts. Take them away with you. We'd love you to have a Bible. Okay? Take one away with you. It's our, our gift to you because there you will find the living words of eternal life. And for all of us, we should have the confidence to ask someone if they'd like to have one or part of the Bible to read it. And uh, the confidence to tell our unbelieving friends what the Bible says and be confident in it. Expound it. In other words, tell people what it says. Help people to understand this wonderful news about Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Explain, engage, expound. Uh, The fourth one, exalt. Um, So, for instance, what's happening? Look at verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He's talking about Jesus. Look at verse 33. Uh, God has raised us Jesus to life. This is verse 32. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Or look at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, remember, this sermon that Peter is preaching here, on the day of Pentecost, it's on the day when the Holy Spirit is given to the church, poured out on the church, okay? So, of course, Peter's sermon is on the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Wrong. Actually, it isn't. I I find it really surprising that on the one day, the one sermon that we have recorded for us in the Bible, that you would say is going to be all about the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is about the Holy Spirit, but actually the real focus is about Jesus. Of course it's about the Spirit. But the real focus is about Jesus. I find that really striking, really surprising. So verse 33 there. um, Exalted to the right hand of God, he has... Um, received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus has been exalted to God's right hand and we should exalt him in our conversations with one another, uh, with, uh, with other folks and so on. Exalted means to praise highly. Um, uh, praise Jesus highly. Talk about Jesus. Refer to Jesus. Get to Jesus, basically. You know, when we're talking to our friends, if you're talking about Jesus, you won't go far wrong. And if you're talking about Jesus, then see if you can get to talk about the cross. Because the cross of Christ is the center of everything. Try to talk about Jesus' cross to get there if you can. And uh, the devil, 
Someone said this, if the devil can't stop us talking about Jesus, he'll try to divert us from the subject. And the subject is a dying savior nailed to a cross by our sin. So let's exalt Jesus. Let's hold him high. Let's refer to him. Let's talk about him. It's what we want to do. It's what Peter did. He explained what was going on. He told them about the Holy Spirit and he held Jesus high on that day of Pentecost. I recommend that we aim to do exactly the same. Pray that we'd be able to talk to our friends about Jesus. Um, pray that any conversation on Christian things would end up with Jesus. And if you end up with a conversation, uh, with a reputation rather, of someone who always wants to talk about Jesus, that's a very, very, very good thing. Because they'll know that he is the center of your life. Just talk about Jesus. So there are four things for ease. They're explain, engage, expound, exalt. And uh, finally, there's one other rather important thing to remember. Anyone know who he is? That is uh, William Carey. And uh, famous Baptist minister. Uh, missionary went off to serve in india and uh, he went to a uh, a missionary organization and uh, wanting to go to india and uh, expressed his desire and uh, explained what he wanted to do and uh, this is the response he got from the interviewing panel he said um, young man sit down it's encouraging isn't it and um, when god pleases to convert the heathen he will do it without your help or mine? Well, yes and no. Mainly, no. Yeah, sure, God is the one who does the converting. But we must remember that, we must remember that, you know, we cannot convert anyone, ever. But you know something? God normally uses human beings to do it. Ordinary, failing, mistaken human beings to do it. He doesn't have to. That's what he chooses to do. God normally converts people extraordinarily by using people like you and me. And then acting powerfully in our friends' lives to bring them to Jesus. So we, therefore, and by the way, William Carey went off to India and is possibly the most effective mission partner ever. God working through that extraordinary guy. So uh, telling it like Peter, there's one thing to remember, and it's this. Uh, we speak, we challenge we warn, we plead, and Peter did that here. So you have a look at verse 40, for instance, and uh, with many other words. We haven't got the whole sermon here. It took about three minutes to read it, I guess. So it was a bit longer than that. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, this generation of unbelievers. He speaks, he challenges very in your face. There's a real jab in the ribs. We've seen a couple of those, haven't we? Just uh, 
If you're taking notes, it's on uh, verse 23 and verse 36. And sometimes we need to challenge and be direct and, uh, uh, and so on, tell people uh, what needs to be, give them a bit of a jab in the ribs and so on. We might need to plead with a friend to accept Jesus. You know, this is not a lifestyle choice. This uh, isn't even a matter of life and death. It's far more important than that. It's a matter of heaven and hell. And if we believe the gospel, if we love people, then we're bound to tell them or put them around, put it around the other way. Why don't we tell people? Rico Tice, the guy who's written that book that uh, is on the bookstore. Rico Tice once said, um, if we don't tell people, there are only two possible reasons. One, you don't believe the gospel. Two, you don't love people. I'll let you chew that one over because those are very hard words. Very hard words indeed. I think they're true, but they're very hard. So this speaking, this challenging, this warning, this arguing, this pleading with unbelieving people, it actually comes throughout the New Testament. It's a pattern. It's what Christians have done ever since, and it's what we want to do as well. While at the same time, remembering it's always God who calls. It's always God who converts. And what does that mean for us? I think one thing is this. We've got to pray our socks off. So come on Wednesday, the small groups together, midday and 7.45 in the evening. And let's pray. Let's pray our socks off. And let's pray now. Fathers, uh, it's a great sermon there uh, in... um, not what I've just done, but what Peter did in, uh, uh, in the book of Acts. Thank you, Lord, for the day of Pentecost and his explanation of, uh, of those extraordinary things that were going on. Thank you, Lord, you gave the Spirit to the church. Thank you, Lord, that we have the Spirit now. We also see Jesus. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to explain to our friends Help us to communicate well with them. Help us to engage with them. Pray, Lord, that you may use us to bring people to you. For your name's sake. Amen.